The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. What's up, guys? This is One Royal Way here on Kansas City Sports Network. Thank you so much for tuning in, whether you're on YouTube or your audio only, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Joel Penfield, and joining me tonight, one of my co-hosts over on the Royals Farm Report side, Josh Kaiser. He's going to come on. We're going to talk a little bit about some uh, some early observations from uh, from spring training. Uh, we're you know, five, six games in. We are two weeks away from Bobby Wood Jr. making his big league debut at Kauffman Stadium, so we're very excited there. But Josh, I'm going to start. Did you get the Wardle today? I did not. Uh, there are too many left-handed outfielders for the New York Mets, so I did not get him get get uh, Jeff McNeil today. But I'm ready to get back in the saddle. That's that's some good stuff. That that is so much fun. It feeds my baseball nerdiness. So I'm, yeah. I'm very excited to whenever I can I can get a couple of minutes away from work to be able to to get that done. So yeah, I was able to get it. I got it on the last try though because mm. I, I guess Conforto, Dom Smith, and Nimmo before I got to, to Jeff McNeil. I forgot yep. he plays left field. Same guys. Be honest. Do you ever consult roster resource on Fangraphs when I this? Get, when I get to guess seven? I do. Okay, that's yeah. fine. That's that's I, I am I'm not here to judge. I definitely do it sometimes too, but. Yeah, when I, I when I get today. to when I get to the seventh guess, I go okay. I need to <laughs> I need to go look at the forty real quick because there's something I'm missing. Yep. No, totally get it. Before we get into the meat of this podcast, uh, we are brought to you by Kansas City Strength and Conditioning. Uh, and go check out this video real quick that's going to run on the uh, the YouTube side about what makes KCSC so different and one of the best places to train in the area. From the beginning, we knew right away that we wanted to do strength conditioning and a throwing program for the baseball and softball community. It wasn't something we were trying to back into or all of a sudden learn. We knew we were really good at these coaching these skills from the get-go and the fact that we're in the same business and the employees are all on the same page you know we can write a program based off of what a kid needs not just getting him stronger or faster from a general sense it's what does this kid need on the pitching end we can say hey this kid needs such and such he needs to do this or that better a lot of times it turns out it's not something that needs to be fixed in the baseball cage or on the throwing mound it actually needs to be fixed in the weight room Can't thank them enough for sponsoring this show. Be sure to go check them out down in Homefield or if Homefield in Olathe if you have a baseball or softball player that needs a place to train. Josh, we like I said we we're six games in. The Royals have won five of them. They tied one, so they have not lost yet. Still undefeated on the 2022 season, as if that means anything. Uh, what are just some of your early thoughts on just what you've seen? Uh, we can talk about individual players here coming up in a second, but just overall thoughts about watching professional baseball again. Uh, love it when I can watch it. They're still trying. I mean, I, I, they need to air every one of these games. They, I mean, the nerds like ourselves are going to be all in on the whole game, especially towards the end when these minor league dudes get start getting run, uh, just to kind of get our glimpse of them there. Uh, but just see a baseball back is just makes my, makes my belly full of goodness and, uh, gets my baseball fix on, on point. So happy to have it back. This is just such a great time of year for sports. You have mm. March Madness in full swing. Sweet 16 is going on right now as we're recording. Spring training is getting into full swing. Like I said, two or two weeks away. And if you're a golf guy too, 
opening day is the same day as round one of the masters. So that mm -hmm. is going to be a day where I can guarantee most like work isn't getting done in most places around <laughs> this country. Uh, but I digress. It's going to, it's going to be a, a ton of fun. We got a lot of guys, uh, you know, that are getting run, but a lot of young guys. And that's where I love the beginning of spring training too, because mm -hmm. you get a lot of non-roster invitees. You get some young players that, uh, that are going to get a little bit of run in big league camp. They're not going to be there the whole time, but you're getting a, a taste of what they can do, getting a couple of bats here and there. And that's why I wanted to get you on tonight to talk about this because it's a great intersection of our two shows, uh, one Royal way and Royals farm report, because we have a lot of these guys that we talk about specifically on Royals farm that you're going to hear more about as the season goes on, but they're in big league camp. They're in these big league games. Uh, even if they're getting at bats against similar double a pitching down in the sixth, seventh inning, it's still big league camp, which is important for a lot of these guys and gives the big league staff an opportunity to look at them and go, Hey, maybe this guy is going to help us sooner rather than later. One of the main guys that even though he was a non-roster invitee, I think it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to not be on the, he, he won't be on, he will be on the 40 here very soon. Uh, Bobby Witt Jr. has been awesome this this spring. Uh, playing a lot of third base, that's where it seems like he's going to play. Uh, Alec Lewis uh, talked about it that uh, the, one of the one of the early infield practices it was Witt at third, uh, Al Montesi at short, Nicky Lopez at second, and then Carl Santana at first. I think that's a pretty good indication of what the starting infield is going to look like uh, when the Royals play Cleveland on April seventh. I mean, I don't know if you can say enough good things about what he's been able to do and the home runs he's hitting, the way he's playing third. I mean, it's it's plus plus defense at that at the corner infield position. He's going to be that good at shortstop whenever he gets the opportunity to play there as well. I can't wait. Mm -hmm. And with some of the moves that the Royal that the Royals have seen these other teams in the American League Central make with Correa going to Minnesota, you got Baez, you know, going to the Tigers. Uh, the White Sox are one of the top three teams in the sport right now. And Cleveland is – they're a little bit of a coin flip, but they're well run. They're going to be really good. You have to make a move. You have to do something. And I think putting Bobby Wood Jr. on the opening day roster, he's proven enough, I think. He proved – honestly, he proved it last year too in what we saw in spring training, and now he's just doing it again. And if then the some. Royals are if the Roy And then some. And if the Royals are serious about winning, Bobby Wood Jr. needs to be on the opening day roster. And I think that was the same case as it was last year. You didn't want to start the year with Kelvin Gutierrez as your primary third baseman. Hunter Dozier's defense is not great over there. So yeah. in third base and, and first base is always seemingly since Hosmer and Moose left, always seemed like somewhat of a turnstile uh, yeah. position. And that's tough to do when your offense, most offenses in the major league are centered around first base, third base, and right field are the big ones. And if you've got a hole, a hole, and a hole, that's tough to be able to generate any kind of runs. Oh, yeah. And the Royal success is always going to be based on how the farm system is doing. And these last, I don't know, five or six years trying to, you know, bridge the gap and just cross the finish line to get to that point, you wondered where the superstar NIST is going to come from. And there were plenty of questions there right when Bobby Witts Jr. started hitting uh, professional baseball. We were just like, man, I don't know. This is the Royals trying to develop a prep hitter to number two overall. Everybody says he's going to be A-Rod or whatever. That's the comp. You just start to kind of get a little leery about the direction of that offense. And at this point, I think all the questions and concerns are answered, both with his performance in the minor leagues last year and what he's done in spring training the last two years. Now he's getting only run with the major leaguers. So yeah. I don't think – I think it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to be the opening day third baseman. Barring an injury, I mean, he could hop over to, to shortstop as well, but I think he's in the lot, the lineup on day one. Very curious to see where. Today he was in the two-hole where Nicky usually is. I kind of really like Nicky down there in that nine-hole to kind of be that second leadoff hitter. Exactly. Um, but having Bobby Witt in that two-hole not only protects him a little bit to get him – some some fastballs to throw to him but it also really should be setting the table for salvi or carlos santana or one of these dudes that are supposed to be run generators like we we uh we talked to Vinny about um on the royals farm report podcast so you got run uh scores and run producers and i think you know setting the table with wit in the two hole for now until he becomes a rod i'm i'm all in on it yeah, I really like him in that two spot. You pair him up with what Merrifield is going to put together a decent at bat early yep. on. You know, Witt's pretty aggressive, but he's going to get on base at a pretty high clip. 
and be able you can put hit and runs on with those guys you have two two guys with plus speed mm-hmm. i think bobby might even be plus plus speed yep uh and his ability to hit the ball out of the ballpark which we've seen uh, as advertised in these first couple of games I, as I long think as it was almost- as long as it was on the camera was on right Not like yeah. today's which i am furious about it was still a tank. You could see, you it could was. see where you could see where the people were running out in left center at the on the berm there. Uh, yeah. When you hit it that far, uh, I think the in the clip too, Bobby was not. He's barely out of the box, mm-hmm. and the pitcher's already asking for a ball. Yep. He's like, "All right, man, let just let, let's go." He didn't even turn around to look. At least the left fielder gave him a courtesy jog. That was yeah. that was at least nice. That one was piped too. the The one mm-hmm. he got into was it yesterday or the day before? It was inside and on his hands. He got his hands out in front and yep. and got it out. This one looked like it was just meaty. So uh, he doesn't miss it. Uh, Ryan said it right before he hit his first home run. (laughs) He said he doesn't miss his pitch and he got it and turn and burn home run. Yep. I'm not going to put too much stock into 10 at bats. And that's what I think is important to understand here is as we're talking about this, it's such a small sample size over six games and Mm -hmm. it's 10 or 11 at bats. I think the most on the team is 11. So these are more just overarching thoughts of what we think is going to happen moving forward. Not what, not a lot of, Oh, making, you know, rash judgments. I don't <laughs> think about some of these guys. I can, I can irrationally say Bobby Wood Jr. Is going to be really good. And he's going to be on the opening day roster. And yeah. I can tell that, but considering he's the number one prospect in baseball, he was a minor league player of the year and he's, you know, doing what he's doing right now yep. in the big league. Club. I think that, is a rational enough take that it's not not going to talk too much, uh, not going to overshadow too right. much of what it's else not too hot of a take, right? That's for sure. Uh, Saying that he's going to be the rookie of the year MVP all in the same year, that might be a little hot takey, but maybe no, I'm but here I do. For it. I I do have a plus three hundred ticket on him to be rookie of the year. There so you go. We'll I don't see that why that. I don't. I mean, who's going to get it from him? Yeah, exactly. Adley, uh, Tor- Torque maybe. Torque of maybe. Detroit. Yeah. There, there are some options, but I think he's if he makes the opening day roster, like I think he will, then he's going to have the inside track. Uh, Vegas thinks he will, and I was think he, he will. the was he the odds on favor when you got mm-hmm. him at the plus three? Yeah, I got you. So makes sense. the next two guys we want to talk about here are the guys that are probably going to they're going to make the big league roster. I think at least two of them will, or at least one of them will. Uh, in Edward Olivares and Kyle Isbell, Olivares has killed it. Yeah, he's he's seven for ten, two homers, he had two yesterday in one of the non televised games. I mean, I think he's proved enough that he can be a viable big leaguer. I don't think he's an everyday guy, but I don't think he's the guy that's going to go up and down 12 times between Omaha and Kansas City. Yep. What he can provide on defense, I don't know. That's kind of been his knock as he's not the greatest defender. It's I don't think it's for lack of trying. I think it's just kind of that athlete is, but he's a good enough athlete that he can turn himself into a decent defender and be a guy that can, you know, you can put against lefties and maybe kind of platoon him with Kyle Isbell mm-hmm. where on a certain day, they're going to kind of mix and match and go. But I think he's proved enough that he can maybe be a guy that gets 250 at-bats, 270 at-bats in a season as a, a fourth or fifth outfielder. I think Isbell can be the same type of guy, and I think Isbell's a lot better player. And long-term, I think he's going to be a great corner outfielder in Kansas City left or right field. He's goal-glove caliber in that spot. Yeah. But I don't think he's ready for a, a full-on starting spot at this point. He might mm. be by June. Uh, and I think a lot of that is predicated on, honestly, the, so many of the dominoes are predicated on whether or not Alberto Montesi gets hurt. Yep. If he gets hurt, then you can slide wit to you can slide wit to short. You can bring, uh, you know, uh, Whit Merrifield in from the outfield, mix and match and go, and you can get Isabel and Olivares in the lineup. Yep. Uh, and if that, I'm, if that's I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm trying, and I'm not trying to wish injury upon a guy. Right. But it's just <laughs> it's just part and parcel what you get with a guy like yep. that. He gets it, hurt a lot. It's a so, foregone conclusion almost it, every year. It's like it he's going to miss 60 days or 60 and games. It sucks because he's such a great talent, but yeah. you just can't rely on him to stay healthy. So I don't know long-term what his role is going to be, but if he's a starting shortstop. If he can play 150 games, then the Royals are in pretty good shape because the talent's obviously going to win out there. Yep, uh, but what I do agree. you think about the Isbell and Olivares and where you think they stack up right now? Um, I'm, I'm happy that, that they're getting the run that they are. Olivera seems like he hasn't gotten much run with the major league teams. I ha- I didn't see what his quality of pitching that he's faced so far, but he hasn't struck out uh, yet. No walks, pretty free swinger seemingly. Um, but I don't know what else you I don't know what else you need to see to see that his bat is major league ready. And like you said, the defense seems to be the the key here. And the guy we just spoke about, Bobby Witt, is kind of the one that may have taken a couple at-bats away from him. 
um, being, you know, having him at third and then shifting Merrifield out to right field. You also right. got Dozier in the mix where if you need, I mean, he's going to be kind of a utility guy at first and probably right field more so. So it, it's good to have options. Um, I I agree. Is I'm a big Isbell guy. He's also doing really well. I think he leads the team in OPS actually last I saw. Uh, he, like yeah, I, I think he struggled a little bit today. He's on 962. Mm, yeah. Now, again, it's, uh, you know, two hits tomorrow and his OPS is like 1.3. Right. So, <laughs> so, I mean, to, to be fair, like Edward Olivares' OPS is 2.3. So, right. yep. you know, what are you going to do? Only is but, what it is, right? Well, I think the difference with between Isbell and Olivares is I think Isbell can play center field. I yep. don't think Olivares can. I agree. And I don't think Isbell – like he'd be fine in center field. Mm-hmm. Do I think he'd be stellar? No. Yeah. I think he'd be a great corner outfielder. But like you say, you go to Yankee Stadium, you can put out, you can put Edward Olivares or uh, Kyle Spell out there in center. He can hang hang around just fine. Yeah. Playing in that Cracker Jack box of a stadium, I think he'll be okay. I mean, you want his left-handed bat in that lineup who to hit, try to hit three fourteen down the line. I mean, exactly. if, you're, if he's going to hit a dinger and got a good shot at it, it's going to be in that stupid stadium. But. Yeah. The other so, thing I liked about his is he's got three walks and yes. granted four strikeouts, but that tells me he's going to get deep into at bats. And that's not necessarily a thing that the Royals do. Yeah. Even with Carlos Santana, his, his walks went down last year. His strikeouts went up, I believe. So if you can get a guy that is great in the field, that's, I mean, he's got two, two hole hitter written all over him as well. So yes, when Bobby I Witt agree. starts turning it on, he goes to three Salvi's a four Isbell's, or or uh, Nicky Lopez at that two slot, I think that's pretty solid. And I, I I do like the fact that he's getting the run that he is. Shows that they have a little bit of faith in him to be able to get run with the major leaguers to get a test against those guys. And it also kind of they don't have to extend Andrew Benatendi because they kind of have right. the same dude. Uh, maybe a little bit better defense, maybe a little less contact than Benatendi does. But you don't have to go out and give Benatendi. $15 million a year for four years. You can, if that's the way you want to go, but you don't have to because you have Kyle Isbell kind of the same dude still be able to produce similar to level, I think in the long run, and you don't have to pay him that much. So right. I think you could still go sell Ben attendee. If it comes, if there's sellers at the deadline, then you can probably get a okay haul for Ben attendee, depending on what he's doing. So I think that also frees up the long term for left field. If, if Isbell's you know, produ- producing on this level. Yeah, absolutely. So then the next two guys I, w- I want to hit on here. Uh, one of our one of our favorite guys for sure. Um, the two left-handed hitting first baseman. Uh, they're going to be getting time in AAA between Nick Prado and Vinny Pasquantino. Vinny's gotten a couple of starts, which are mm-hmm. or at least one for sure. Uh, he's three of eight uh, with a couple of walks, uh, hitting three seventy-five uh, with a homer. Uh, and or Prado is uh, he's two for six. He struck out four times, or he's walked four times, struck out three. Uh, so he's starting to maybe get a little bit of play discipline in there. The swing and miss is still a little concerning, but I mm-hmm. think one of those bat- at bats was against Shohei Otani. So not gonna <laughs> not gonna take too much away uh, from there. I think, and I think that was a couple of Kyle Isbell strikeouts too, where against Shohei Otani, like well, I think okay, that, that dude's a, a top seven pitcher in baseball. So it was also an Oliveris at least one single, but maybe two, right? Oh yeah, he got two knocks off of Otani. Yeah, yeah. He hit so, two hey, little line drives up the middle. I'm into it. Hey, there we go. But between those two, I think the, both are going to start in Triple A. Obviously, I think that's pretty obvious at this point because the Royal there is a little bit of a log jam at first base between yep. Santana and um, Dozier and Dozier and, and the go- and the ghost of Ryan O'Hearn, <laughs> who 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 is also hitting well because he's getting opportunities against Double A pitching. Well, uh, but you know, got to got to give uh, got to give him maybe you can produce. <laughs> hey, that's fair. That's fair. Um, but between those two, I almost want to lean Vinny. At this point, but like yeah. of the first guy that gets called up between the two, I think Prado has a higher ceiling than Vinny does. But Vinny's also a couple of years older. He got better as he got went up levels last year between high A and double A. Mm-hmm. And the way he's seeing the ball and the way he's put he's putting together at bats against big league pitching uh, tells me that he's probably not. I don't think he's going to struggle in triple A at all. He's probably already too good good for the league if we're being honest. Yeah, and. I think Prado obviously provides a little more power. Vinny's going to be a little more hit. He's not going to strike out as much, which is the huge thing to watch for Nick Prado. And I think why he might hang around for a little bit longer. He was still good and perfectly viable in AAA last year when he got called up from Northwest Arkansas, mm-hmm. but he struck out a ton. Yep. I mean, his his strikeout rate skyrocketed from AA to AAA. 
And with the way he swings and the way he goes, I don't know if that's ever going to come down. I hope it does. But I just think the trends indicate he's still going to strike out quite a bit. Uh, that's been his thing for his entire career. He was able to keep it manageable for the most part last year, but it's probably still too much for a guy that's not going to hit uh, this, the way that you maybe want a, a, a first baseman to. Yeah. So, And you don't call him up without he's getting everyday reps at first base. Right. Period. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that log jam has there. to completely clear out of first base in order for him to get called up. And there's at least two moves that need to be made in order for yep. that to be achieved. I will say, as on the whole, in his double A last year, he had a 29.1% K rate, yep. went to Omaha and had a 28.5. So it was okay. actually lower. Still not good. It's still not good. It's still, <laughs> still not, not good. great. Well, and I think some of that too was, I think he was able to. Uh, to cut it a little bit at the end of the year. Yeah. But I mean, cause I think it was over 30 for a little bit in Omaha. Yep. Yep. So, and I, and they started to go up a little bit as he, uh, he got done. So it's, I mean, they're, he's just going to strike out a lot, but you almost don't worry about that at this level of baseball. And no. I think, and both of them are going to benefit from the shift going away by 2023. Oh yeah. Vinny's really going to, to <laughs> be, he might be an all-star. Uh, that's a bit of exaggeration, but, uh, for a, for a bigger dude that hits the ball on the ground quite a bit, he might he might benefit from that. Yeah. But that ball that Vinny hit for a homer against well, the Angels. 40 yeah. degree. It was 40 degree. About 430-something feet. I mean, that's that's not nothing. That's not nothing at all. I don't care who it's off of. That, that, is, a, uh, that is an all-power home run. Yes. And he and he walked him off today with a, yep. a little slap single to, to left field. So, well, that's those are the things you love to see. And yep. <laughs> did you see the story that uh, uh joel goldberg talked about it um that zach grinky i guess they you know they interacted in the the locker room they were talking to Vinny, and he goes you know if you would have told 10 year old me i'd be sharing the locker room with zach grinky we did sudoku together it was unbelievable <laughs> it was unbelievable and if, and if you have listened to any of our interviews over on the Wells farm side with Vinny, you can just hear that that is 100 something he would say yep um i can't wait for him to come to kansas city because yep. I I guarantee you he's going to be a fan favorite. Because yep. not only is he going to be good, but he's got the type of personality that's infectious that people are just going to gravitate towards. Yep. And even casual fans are like, no, I like that guy. Because he's just that type of dude. Yep. And I think there was a lot of speculation back when they were talking about the Montas trade that, hey, Vinny's great in the minor leagues. Nick Prado is obviously the first baseman of the future. Just throw him on this deal with Montas. And I was not ready to do that. I don't nope. think that Dayton Moore or Piccolo would do that. I think he's got the intangibles. We talked about it a few times on this pod, on the Royals Farm Report podcast, that he's got the intangibles, the leadership ability, the ability to be the glue guy in the locker yes. room that I think just absolutely is what Dayton Moore dreams of when he goes to bed at night. So I don't see him not being in Kansas City when he's major league ready. And like you said, I think there's a decent case with his mature plate approach. He's done it for two or three seasons. Granted, they're in the lower minors, and he is a little bit old for those. But he's, again, producing when he's supposed to produce. Yeah, he and did what he was supposed to do against the against the competition. There's, 100%. Yeah. And he, he had to climb up the ladder to get on on to get attention. And yeah. now he is. He's leading off – or not leading off. He's hitting designated hitter with some of the major league guys the other day. And that's yeah. not nothing either. So no, pi pipeline had him number five, yeah, which is unbelievable for a, a bat first, bigger first baseman with not a lot of athleticism. That yep. is, that's a big deal. I think that says a lot about where the not only the Royals see him, but people outside the organization see a guy like Vinny. Yeah, and I and don't think again you probably don't call him up until he's probably getting every day at bats. So you you obviously have to clear Ryan O'Hearn. But then you got to figure out what's going on with Dozier and Santana. Maybe yeah. the Royals are at 500 at the deadline. They're not wanting to sell. And then he hasn't made his debut. And they're still, you know, he's still producing in Omaha or something. And they, they yeah. just can't. Um, I don't think they're going to move Vinny to an outfield spot. Absolutely and not. Even if they did, there's plenty of players there too. So yeah. it, it's kind of a, it, something's going to, and something, this stuff always gets figured out one yes. way or another. Injuries happen, trades happen what have guys don't produce and get sent down. So something will get figured out, but it's just a good problem to have. The, yeah, the Royals generally have a good problem right now when it 100%. comes to the guys that they can bring up or should bring up. 
they have a lot of them that they could go to and they have guys at the big league level that can produce that they're not not bailing water trying to just survive i mean they have a couple that they could probably move off of but i just don't think it's going to happen right away and i'll talk to that and then we'll cross that bridge when it comes to it one more guy that i really want to hit on is mj melendez Mm -hmm. Uh, is four for 11 uh, you know, putting the others in decent at bats, showing off uh, a lot of the, the success that he had at the minor league level last year, uh, minor league leader in home runs uh, with 43, which is remarkable. If you don't know how bad MJ Melendez struggled in 2019 in Wilmington, then Wilmington Blue Rocks, the high affiliate, uh, go look at his numbers and then look at what he did last year between Northwest Arkansas and Omaha. It is remarkable. And he's and he's showing no sign of slowing down. Mm-hmm. And what's also interesting is that he got the start today behind the plate, which I think is going to come this year as well. It starts to take some of the the burden off of Salvi needing to catch 130 games, which he doesn't need to do at this point in his career. Just go hit homers. That's fine. Uh, but MJ got some time at third, which I thought was interesting yeah. uh, the, toward the end of the game. I don't think he he came in the game as a late substitution, as a lot of these young guys do. But he didn't go behind the plate. He played third. And he played a co- third in a couple of games last year and. He looks serviceable, look good. I mean, he's a he's a really, really good athlete. Mm-hmm. So I have no qualms about him going and playing third because like we talked about the Royals having a good problem. At a certain point, you just put the bats in the lineup and you see what happens mm-hmm. and just find a place for them where they can be a, a not a net negative in the field and just right. make it work. So I and think I, that's what a lot of what MJ playing third is, is we know he can help us in the lineup very soon. And we just want to get make him seem like he is good enough that he can hold his own there and the bat will speak for itself. Yep. And I think that's another guy that again, you're not getting you're not he's not getting the call until everyday at bats are part of it. That would probably require an injury yeah. this year. And people are like up in arms about him potentially going to third base because his receiving ability and his de- defense so behind the plate is just crazy good. Yeah. So it, I understand like the value standpoint, you want to make sure you're, you're maximizing all these dudes potential, uh, especially in a value area. And Melinda as a third base just doesn't do that as much as being able to shift him behind the plate and then send Salvi to first base <clears throat> or, or DH. 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 Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I will, I will push back a little bit on the, he won't get called up until every day at bats are gone. I disagree with that. Yep. I think the best way to get a, like for, especially for a catcher and a guy that is still kind of young, yeah. and, it might be okay for him to play every third or fourth day yeah, and kind of get his feet wet and learn from Salvi and go from there. I think he's a guy that could benefit from that. I think there are guys like Vinny, Nick, um, you know, and other, and other guys like that that are going to get called up in midseason where I can see that you don't want to call them up until there's an opportunity every single day. But yep. for a guy like MJ, especially – being a catcher, the value, the valuation of catchers is so different than any other position because what you do defensively, for the most part, matters infinitely more than what you do at the plate. <laughs> yeah. Salvi's kind of the exception to the rule in that where he's a he's a good defender, but he's one of the better hitting catchers in baseball up there with like JT Realmuto, Will Smith, Yasmani Grandal, like those types of guys. Yep. Um, but all of those guys are elite defenders. And so the fact that you're getting that kind of offensive production speaks volumes Mm -hmm. uh but for a guy like mj just worry about being awesome behind the plate and the bat the at-bats will come there's no Mm -hmm. reason for you to hit you know 085 hitting it playing every day like that's just not worth it but i think for a for him to be a catcher and can play every every once in a while get used to it so that i think by 2023 he's your everyday catcher or close to it you can start seeing salvi can catch 40 to 50 games for the most part dh and, tr- and that's the transition that can take place yeah because mj is that good behind the plate he can be your everyday catcher by within a year or two and you can coexist with salvi in the lineup as well just hitting tanks at dh and that would obviously mean that cam gallagher isn't on the roster at that point probably and that that's the crazy thing is that he's just so he's really good defensively. Yeah. And that's why you carry two catchers. That's why you have a backup that can yep. go come in and do that. I mean, hell that's why Jeff Mathis had an amazing career in the big league, 16 <laughs> years. And I don't think he ever had a season where he hit above like two ten. Yeah. So. And people talk like Cam Gallagher has trade value. And I mean, that is teams call is. about him yeah. every year. Yep. Te- teams call Dayton Moore and JJ Piccolo asking about Cam Gallagher because he is that type of value. And at this but point, think, they also have Seabass back there, who's also pretty solid defensively. And yes. then uh, under him, 
you know, Omar Hernandez, Alex's uh, golden child behind I'm, the I'm plate. I'm a big fan of Omar Hernandez, yeah. too. I mean, if you get in a pinch, Kalen Schaff. M. Schaff is definitely going to be uh, making his making his way from what they're. I mean, Andy Rogers was talking about him uh, on our podcast a couple a couple weeks ago. I loved what I heard out of that as well. So they got options if they need to get some kind of value out of Cam Gallagher. I think it might be worth more in a trade right. now than you're going to get from um, him being on the major league roster this year. I, I could totally see that being a trade deadline move. Where I, I mean, team before needs opening a- day. Yeah, I, I don't think it'll happen that fast. Probably not. I, I don't think MJ is going to make the opening day roster. I th- do think there still is some seasoning that needs to happen in AAA. Sure. Especially if they do want to play him at third more. Yep. Then that's a perfect opportunity to do it. Yeah. And because I don't think there's many people stopping him getting at bats at third base right, right. now on AAA yep. roster that I can think of. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. There, there might be a couple of them, but you're probably, if you're trying to work him at those like points, twice a there's week, no reason. Like, yeah. Yeah. Twice a week, if you want to put him at third, sure. What the hell? Why not? Yeah. yeah. And then if he continues to hit the way he has, then get him up to Kansas City fast. Um, yeah. I, I would much rather watch a season where they maybe don't meet expectations, but they're getting a lot of these young guys in by June or July. Absolutely. And they're starting to get, they're starting to gel and get together and they're getting those at bats and everything's rolling that way. Then watching Carl Santana or Hunter Dozier, Ryan O'Hearn get all of these at bats from Vinny, Nick, and MJ when they're not, those guys are not part of the future. Right. I, I Hunter Dozier, maybe. Like, I think, but I don't know if it's in an everyday role. Right. But like, there, there are multiple guys on the current roster that are not part of the next good team in Kansas City. Yep. Those guys are. I would rather give them at bats this year so that they are ready for when the Royals are good and the Royals are competing if that's the way the window is working the way we think it is. Yeah. And I, I would love to have my cake and eat it too. If we can work these dudes into a lineup that is contending. Awesome. That's best case scenario. Yeah. Probably not, not going to be a thing right now. Not this year. I don't not think it's this year, but at least it's a bad thing either. Yeah. At least it's a direction. At least yes. you know what this year is the last like three years. You're like, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I'm totally in on, I mean, it's always, it's always April. It's always may. I'm always drinking the Kool-Aid being like, this is great. We signed, Mike Miner and Carlos Santana. We, we extended Hunter Dozier. He's going to be a roster cornerstone. I always drink the Kool-Aid every year. And every year by June, July, August, I'm like, what happened this year? What did we do that was constructive to the long-term uh, success of this baseball club? Usually that's yeah. done through the draft. Usually that's done at the trade deadline. 
but it just it's always up in the air. It's always a mystery. And I if we're working young guys into a lineup that loses 72 games, fine. That's fine. We we're we're grinding teeth, we're cutting teeth, we're going, we have a direction and it is what it is. So if you're audio only, you don't see this, but if you're on YouTube, you see me wearing the baseballism King Griffey Jr. So I love the Royals, but the Mariners were my first love when it comes to baseball. <laughs> and I bought, I, I was five or no, I was, I was four when the Mariners won 116 games in each year's first year. I bought in, I was all in on the Mariners, all in on baseball. And I've oh, watched yeah. 20 years of futility since. So <laughs> I think that made me a very, a very cynical human being when it comes to sports very early on. Like I was jaded from a very early age because I bought in and then they it's been awful since. So I think that's what makes me kind of have some reservations about what I see at any year, no matter how good the Royals, Mariners, Chiefs, Oklahoma State are. I am like, ah, we'll see. And then I did buy in last year and that did not. End. <laughs> no, it did not. <laughs> I can't remember I, how many games I, I predicted them winning. I think it was like somewhere between 83 and 86. They didn't get there. No. No, I, I remember having that cocky tweet on May 1st. Hey, the Royals have the best record in baseball. And then yep. we watched what happened in May. Yeah. And there you go. Not, not good stuff. But I, I will say there is this roster, in my opinion, should be better than last year's 74 win team. Should be. I think. Totally. Legitimately. Absolutely. That doesn't mean, I mean, I'm still thinking somewhere between the 70 and 82 win games, 78 and 82. That's where um, I'm at right now. And least. that's kind of me. Being conservative here, so I I think I think 500 is totally within reason, sure, as it should be. Yeah, it should at this point in where the Royals want to compete, 82 wins should be where they need to be at. Yeah, or 81 wins, I guess. And that's fine. I'm I'm good with that range, especially if we get there by playing a lot of young guys and uh, figuring out who's 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 what. If Mondesi can stay healthy relatively, that's another big thing. So if if we can. If we can accomplish a few things this year that we've already discussed, then then I'd be I'd be fine with how this year goes, no matter yeah, what. I, just scrolling down a little bit, I just saw Hunter Dozier sitting four fifty five early. Yeah, on he this is. Year, so that's nice. Yeah, uh, I, I said I don't think he's an everyday player on this team at this point, but he could be a very valuable bench player. Um, Which in his his extension was not much. No, they could like, legitimately release him, and it will not hamper them very no. much at all. No, and. I think for, for a guy like him, it, he got hurt last year. He had that thumb thing yeah. where he was hurt and they knew he was hurt, but then he kept playing mm-hmm. when it was, and it was ugly, very, yes. very terrible. Yeah. Um, and he then he came back spring, in by July and then, and then he got, and then he got healthy and actually started hitting and looking like the 2018 or 2019 hundred that yep. was good yep. and what looked like a valuable piece of a, a team moving forward. So yep. if, he be, if he can turn into that type of guy, he'd be like, 85% of 2,900 Dozier. Cool. Yeah. Great. Then 100%. we're in, we're in good shape. Any yep. other position players you want to talk about before we move on to pitchers? Um, not really. I think, I think in general, the bats have been great. There's not that many dudes outside of Jacoby Jones who are not hitting well, not doing what you kind of want from them. Uh, granted spring training in Arizona is all about the hitters anyways. So I'm not getting too hyped up about that. I'm not driving the Hunter Dozier MVP train like I did last spring but it is good to see every one of those hitters that you want to see do something are doing it so I am very in on the position players in this roster being that lineup being a lot better than they were last year absolutely so moving over to the pitching side I'll just say this and we we don't have to talk about Grinky for too long because that's just one start but it it was cool and it looked good to see Grinky (laughs) back wearing that KC cap yeah 100% I mean no strikeouts I don't know how many strikeouts he's going to have this year, but three scoreless innings, two two hits, one walk. He'll, I think he'll go out and give you six almost every game. Yeah, I, I talked about it with Tucker last week that he kind of is going to fill that Mike Minor role of you're yeah. going to go out and throw until your arm falls off. Um, and he, but he threw 170 innings last year. I have no reason to yep. believe that he can't do it this year. Yep. And what was interesting, and these guys are still ramping up, and he hit, he hit 90. Yeah, he did. Well, I can't tell you the last time he hit 90. I don't think yep. he did maybe at all last year. I think he was, I throwing, saw... he was throwing 87 mile an hour fastballs with 87 right. mile an hour changeups last yeah, he year. Was. So, which I can... love, by the way. Yeah. I don't know how you get away with something like that, but I love it's, it. It's Zach Grinky. I don't question many uh-huh. things with him because it's just Zach Grinky. I think I think I saw Lynn Worthy talk about his range of velocity yesterday was from 68 to 90. Yeah, he was 60. That one of those curveballs was 66. I love it. 
Give me all the ephesus. Okay, because we're immature children. Uh, over <laughs> under 13 and a half 69 mile an hour curveballs. Oh man, I'm get give me the over. I mean, yeah. yeah, give me the over. I'm in on it. The and those because I, I want to see as many of those as possible because those always end up on pitching ninja. Yep. It's every single time it's a 69 mile an hour curveball, it gets gift by by the, the man himself. So you get to watch a batter's brain break in slow motion. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yes, and then you couple that with again like eighty-eight, and it just it rides at the top of the zone. It's hilarious. Yep. But yeah, like I, whatever. I don't have super high expectations for what Zach Greinke is going to do. I just sure. Don't. But if he can be that veteran presence that the the young pitchers and the the guys that are still kind of cutting their teeth can lean on, mm-hmm. which it seems like that's the case. He's yeah. shown up at, at Daniel Lynch's uh, side session. He. He made sure to sit with Brady Singer and Jackson Coar during live BP. He had all these young guys over to his house for dinner, uh, as Alec Lewis reported. So I know he's not the rah-rah like leadership guy that everyone's going to gravitate towards, but there is something to seeing a guy that's cut his teeth and he's and done it for 16 years. Like that yeah. matters to a lot of these guys, I'm sure. And they these are guys that grew up watching Zach Grinke. They were, you know, they were 10, 11 years old when he was winning the Cy Young in Kansas City. <laughs> so or even maybe a little older than that, but still. Like oh, math that, is not important. No. I mean, I was <laughs> 2009. I was 13. Yeah. Yeah. I was 12, 12, 13. Almost graduating college. So, you know. Yeah. We were basically on the same uh, emotional uh, intelligence level. Between, there you go. Between you and me on that year. <laughs> but when I, when I saw the Grinky signing, I was pumped because it did seem like – he could be that strong veteran presence in that locker room. And I know his personality doesn't really scream it, but you do see him like prior. He was talking to Verlander. He was talking to Garrett Cole. He was talking to these dudes trying to, you know, pick their brain about uh, grips, how, how, uh, how they kind of go about their sequencing. And you how do you see spider all that? Well, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> no, no about, I don't know about that, Joel, but he was at least getting strategic little nuggets that I guarantee you trickle down into these young pitchers. And the fact that he is embracing it as much as that Grinky would embrace it is really cool to see. The other thing I thought about, the next thing I thought was how are him, his personality and Brady Singer's personality going to coexist? That's going to be interesting. And yeah, I, I think do. We are going to get some funny. We're going to get some sort of funny meme oh, yeah. picture of like some sort of juxtaposition of, Grinky just sitting there crisscross in the dugout and Brady Singer losing his mind. Absolutely. Get, especially if like there's a rain delay or something. Yep. And I'm here for it. I, I love Singer's yeah. fire. I love it as long as he can harness it and it doesn't implode yes, on that's him. That's the key. I love it. And I, the fact that Singer is already being like, I mean, he just tells you the truth. The God's on a truth. And he's like, it's refreshing. It's really cool. Nobody's blowing smoke. But I could also see that getting really under somebody's skin if they're in on a 105 degree day in late July, you just got blown up and three innings pitched and you come in, you see Zach Greinke being like, so you didn't pitch very well today. It's like, yes, yes, Zach, I didn't. And just completely losing his mind. So I, I mean, I could see that happening, but the fact that I, I feel like, like you said, the respect is there for singer. It's not like another, like a 27 year old Brad Keller is not going to come give you that uh, type of, you know, honesty. Yeah. Um, so the fact that it's Grinky, I feel like these pitchers are going to respect him whenever he is that honest. And, uh, I mean, these guys are already very vocal about having how awesome it is to have him in the clubhouse. So, uh, I'm very interested to see, it feels like he's going to be a way more into that mentor role than Mike Miner maybe was totally. Uh, so now let's talk about some of those young, the young pitchers. I, I say young, but like you guys are all going <laughs> to their second, third year in the, in the right. big leagues, but Compared comparatively, like we would still refer to them as the young guys because they're still kind of getting their feet when the bigs. Yep. Um, I thought Jackson Coar looked really good yep. uh, in his start. He gave, I think he gave up a home run or gave up a couple of hits, but overall, like the pitchability looked nice. Fastball, his fastball runs up there up into the upper 90s. Yep. He said he was around 97. Uh, but the way he was able to pair that with the changeup, his changeup is amazing. It's one of my favorite pitches in all of baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh, four punch outs and two innings. That's really nice to see early on. I don't know if he's going to make the big leagues to start, but he's also he, like, he was too good for triple a. So I think this yep. might be a scenario where they just put him in that four or five spot 
and just let him kind of figure things out. I think yeah. that's a perfect time for that. Singer looked okay. I wasn't I wasn't overly impressed, but it's hard to take away from two innings of one spring training. Oh, the first his first one. First yeah. one, yeah. Like he was but it's kind of a, a microcosm, at least early on, of what we've seen from Brady Singer. His fastball is all over the place. Um, and obviously he gets some ridiculous horizontal run with it, but he wasn't able to spot it anywhere. Through a lot of sliders. He, it looked like he was throwing, making a more concerted effort to throw his changeup. Yeah, has to do. If he's, yep. if he's not going to throw it, then just put him in the bullpen and let him go sinker slider. Yeah, you cannot be a two pitch pitcher as a starter. So if he's going to make that more concerted effort to throw the changeup, then I'm willing to buy in a little bit. And, he was getting and, some really, really bad swings and misses on that slider that game too. Yeah. So it is interesting that people know that he's more or less a two and a half pitch pitcher. Yeah, and his slider was, is still good enough to not matter. You gotta hit. You gotta give. Leave at least a little something to the imagination when it comes yep. to pitching. So, and you gotta paint. Uh, you cannot mm-hmm. be wild. You gotta have control of it. it yeah. It's just you can't get by with that period. But especially if you can't locate a fastball. The one thing that does concern me a little bit about Brady Singer is he looks terrified to throw to the bases. <laughs> like it. Lo- I don't. I'm not going to say it's John Lester bad because John Lester intentionally would spike the ball to first base because yep. he couldn't do it. Yeah, but. He goes and it was a little tapper back to him, and he completely airmailed the throw home. Yep. That was like an eight foot throw, way to like it wasn't even close. He was rolling through the right though, so in yeah, his defense, still, it, like, it's a tough, it, it's a tough that's play you, for a pitcher, but he what, should make you, it. That's what you do PFPs for. You're and yes. you're doing those very regularly on backfields in spring training. Yeah, like that, I, and it, he had a problem with that last year too. Yeah, he airmailed throws to first base. He did something similar, like where he just couldn't make the throw home, fielding his position. Yeah. And I'm not going to say that fielding your position is the end all be all, but it's a little, it's a little bit of a problem. Yeah. Now going back to the Zach Grinky point, Grinky is a gold glover. So maybe yeah. there's some tutelage that can happen there that helps fit some figure something out. Cause I don't want to call it full on yips, but like it's, it just not seems great. like he gets amped up. I, I just, yeah. I feel I get, I do the same thing with, when, when I'm doing just simple tasks, if I'm, if I'm riding high with anxiety or for some reason, I can't do anything well yeah routine no matter what the the easier it is the harder it seems when you're kind of amped up like that so i think again my very uh amateur and stupid unknowing perspective is that it just seems like he gets a little amped up and that's kind of what leads to his downfall so i yeah i'd be curious to see if that if that calming effect that grinky kind of has even when he's giving you the honest truth um, I wonder if that rubs off on him. And I mean, all that's just going to come with time too, I think. So yeah, I'm not worried it, about it at this point. No, I'm, I'm really not either. Daniel Lynch started today against the Reds. He gave up a yep. home run to Joey Votto, but Who Joey Votto bangs. So <laughs> whatever, like one of the best, you know, hall of fame left, left-handed hitter. Congrats. Like, yeah. Homer. Um, I don't, I still, he's another guy that kind of puzzles me a little bit because the yeah. stuff is there. He can be awesome. I was at the game when he threw eight shut against the Tigers mm-hmm. and looked like he had really figured things out. And then he didn't. Uh, yeah. I don't know if it's a deception thing. I don't know what it is. I think he can get it figured out. But again, I think he's another guy that was, I think he was too good for triple a mm. just like Coar. So at a certain point, like the Royals rotation going into the year, probably going to be Grinky Keller and uh, singer. And then, Coar, Bubich, and Lynch going for two of those final three spots. I mean, Carlos Hernandez, Carlos you Hernandez, An- Angel too. Zerpa. Yeah, you got. I, I it's going to be interesting. I, I could see a scenario where I, I think Carlos Hernandez probably earned earned a spot yeah. in the back end of their rotation. Yeah. So, who do you send down to Triple A? Uh, maybe, maybe you send Lynch down to Triple A and let him work through whatever or whatever it is. Yeah, because I, I Coar dominated AAA last year yep. to to a point where it it's not worth it to send him back there. Yeah, maybe you let him go. You send Bubich into that swing man, you know, kind of sixth guy, long relief that he was good in last year. Yeah, um, and I think his pitchability is just too good for for AAA. So maybe yeah. you just let that go. It, there, there is a little bit of a logjam there, which is, yeah. again is a good problem because you right. have enough good pitchers <laughs> that you know you can a that you can put in and they're going to hold their own but that you have to give these innings to because they're going to be a part of that next big club. Yeah. Like Zach Grinke's not, but that's fine. If you want to put Zach Grinke out there every fifth day as an example to these young guys, then cool. Yeah. But you still, but don't let that deter you from giving Jackson Coar, Daniel Lynch, John Heasley, Angel Zerpa, every mm. opportunity humanly possible. 
And the other part about that is Alec Lewis did write that article for the athletic a couple of days ago about uh, the young pitchers and working with the R and D department within the organization, adding pitches, tweaking things in the off season. It wouldn't be the worst thing to send guys like Daniel Lynch apparently added a curveball, uh, Bubich added a slider. It wouldn't be the worst thing to send those guys down to uh, battle test those new pitches that's and fair. their new sequencing yeah. and stuff like that. I don't think that's something. Maybe maybe you get a little bit of that action in the uh, in the long swingman role, but it's not consistent, and you're probably not wanting to waste live bullets in mop-up duty. So right. I, it wouldn't be the worst thing to send those dudes that are tweaking, got some more things to kind of iron out before they're ready for the for the big league. If that's Brady Singer with this changeup to get more confidence in it, I'm all for it. But if it's if it's a matter you're trying to rush these dudes just because you think it's time, that's a little bit of a different conversation. So it right. wouldn't be the worst thing to send those dudes that are adding new pitches to the repertoire to go down and, and test it against AAA to get them more confidence in them to throw them in the big show. I think that's totally fair. And I remember yeah. uh, I think Coar they did an interview with him uh, mid-game it was in yeah. the game a couple days ago yep. uh, where he talked about he ditched his curveball and started throwing slider mm-hmm. and it's kind of got that slider cutter hybrid kind of kind of deal and i think that'll work actually work really well with the way his fastball plays with the changeup. Mm-hmm. and if he's able to control that better than he did his curveball because his curveball was always a work in progress yep. and it never was something that materialized remember that he talked they talked at nauseam about him in between <laughs> high a and double a trying to work that curveball in and it was just a show me pitch it's like it's got to be more than that at the big league level and you can't be fastball change up at the big league level no unless you want to be a reliever you you can't do it so if anybody can it's a dude that can pump 98 and has a absolute nasty change up but But the problem is the problem with his fastball and there this gets a little bit into the scouting weeds but he doesn't spin it real well yeah for it being 98 99 which it can run up to it's the random hour and he's six yeah, it's uh, it's almost like Brandon Maurer. I think that's a perfect example. It's a guy yeah. that, but he doesn't. I mean, he's a pretty big dude. He's like six four. Right. He doesn't use any of that frame, and he doesn't hide the ball well enough for that ninety seven to play. Like I, I had a scout tell me, it's the most disappointing ninety seven mile an hour fastball he's ever seen because <laughs> so. it should because it should be great, especially with how good his changeup is. Yeah, but it's just not. Yeah. So maybe he's figured something out. Um, you know, four punch outs and two innings against you know in a. In a game, I think it was an A game too. So it was yep. against big leaguers. There's something there, and, and we'll see how it goes. I, John Heasley kind of struggled. Um, I, I think he's a guy that is going to end up being a a bullpen piece. Yeah, but he's going to be a very good one at that. Yeah, like, I think he can be perfect in that swing man. Hey, you need a start. You know, need a spot start. You need a you know a bulk guy opener type. Need someone to go in sixth seventh. I can do it. Angel Zerpa fascinates me. <laughs> because yeah. everything about him doesn't make sense. Like he's not overpowering. Nope. He's not this big body guy that like, you know, like a Daniel Lynch height, you know, he's not stocky, but he just pitches. Yeah. Like there, there's something to the art of pitching. And my, one of my like scouting biases is lefties with good pitchability and a good, and a good secondary. And he has mm-hmm. both of those. Yep. And, I think the way he pitched at the end of last season, his his one start that he got, it showed something. He was the the head scratcher going into 2021 <laughs> of why the heck is this guy on the 40? Yep. And then he pitched across three levels and made a big league debut. So obviously they arguably know the best of the young pitchers last yes. year. And that of the on from a debut perspective, absolutely. Yeah, so that's percent And that's why I had a very uh, fleeting time in scouting, and I'm sitting behind this microphone talking to you guys. Because uh, <laughs> I think I know what I'm talking about, and I don't actually know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Just enough to to sound like you do. Exactly. You know, hey, BS so, is the, the the art, man. So I was talking to my brother about this the other day. Out of these young guys, who do you think right now could go out? You got to put your money on one of these dudes to go out and get you a quality start. Who do you think the most uh, probable one to do that is? I think it's Daniel Lynch. He's done it. Yeah. He, I and you know, Singer had a couple of those. Yeah. He, he had a string where he was, yep. he was pretty solid. Um, and at Carl Hernandez had that structure. It was like three or four yes, starts he where he went five or six. Yep. But, I think Lynch has the better – I mean, he went eight shut. I know that Tigers lineup was not spectacular. Sure. But he was awful in his first three starts. And mm-hmm. then that was his first start back from AAA. So there's something to be said there for the adjustment he was able to make. And I think his fastball's better. I think his slider's better. 
he's got that kind of that it's like almost like a like a knuckle slider i can't yeah. i don't know what the but like he's got that kind of knuckle curve grip that that cuts a little more and he's got to get change up off with it too with some great pitchability and i don't know if he's got i don't think he has the deception or some other stuff that you want a lefty to have right but he makes it work and yeah. he's done it in a much higher degree than Carlos Hernandez or yeah. Jackson Cohen. My, my biggest knock and the thing that concerns me about Carlos Hernandez is for a dude that throws 98 with a really good curveball, like a hammer of a curveball, yeah. he doesn't strike out anybody. Yeah. That that is a problem. I think if you are if you throw that hard with that good of stuff and you can't get punch outs, there's a little bit of a red flag. Which I don't think he's a bad pitcher. Right. But I just don't know if he's the guy that you can rely on in a big game to go and hey, I need six shut with eight strikeouts. I don't think he's that guy. I yeah. think he's the guy that can give you four with two strikeouts. But I don't know if he's that guy that can go out and really get you a quality start. I mean, Hernandez point. as a 24-year-old had a 267 BABIP, and I remember that being kind of the uh, the good thing about him was that he was generating soft contact, and I think yeah. that is the recipe for those that quality is. starts. Um, I think he could be a great bullpen guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I he, he started just throwing the crap out of his fastball and just started throwing his curveball more. What were you, when you could tell he was listening to the coaching. They're like, yeah. Just go out there. You have 99 in the tank. Go do it. Yeah. Hey, you have a great curveball and a great changeup. Throw it more. And he would yeah. do it. So, you he know, I think couple, there's something let's there. Let's see. To that. One, two, three, four, five. Carlos Hernandez had five quality starts last year. Yeah. Which surprises me. because Now, what I mean, can you give me the strikeout totals in those five? Oh, um, yes. He went one, three, eight against the uh, Cubs. So okay. I remember asterisk, that one. Asterisk that one. And then one. Oh, that was a four-run game. Three, four. Yeah, that's it. So yeah, yeah. somewhere so, between one, one and four is what you're usually one, getting. One outlier start, <clears throat> which is, I mean, again, not nothing. It is what it is. It's a good problem to have. We'll see. We'll see how it all kind of plays out. I'm, I'm just curious to see how that is after that third spot. I think, yeah, Singer is probably that third guy, and then four and five, and they may they probably don't have to figure it out right away either. They probably just need right. to get that four spot figured out for the first two and a half weeks because then we'll be scheduling is stupid, but. Uh, it'll be interesting to kind of see how it all plays out. Right. And so looking at some of the relievers that have gone, is that there's you know only so many spots. Gabe Spire. Gabe Spire. That's the guy that I was going to talk about. I felt like when they signed Amir Garrett that he was going to be the odd man out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's not a knock on him. I think he's a great guy that you can bring up immediately, and he can be at least solid. There's something different. Like, I think he was throwing a little harder. Yeah. He, he looked really polished. Yep. Um, I think he could be a sneaky breakout candidate to be just like a, like Jake Brents did last year. Yep. Which I think Jake Brents solidified himself in there. Obviously, Garrett, you get that third, you carry that third lefty. I think that's going to be a big deal because they only had, really only had Brents and then Love Lady for a little while before he got hurt. Yep. Uh, was the, that was the way the bullpen went. Domingo Tapia is going to come back into that bullpen. I know he got roughed up a little bit. I'm not worried about it. Uh, for the most part, I'm not concerned about one or two outings. Like it's an inning and two thirds, and you give mm-hmm. up two runs. It looks the the ERA looks rough, but that's eh, where I will say though, Ronald Bolaños really did get get lit up a little bit. Yeah, he did. And I Josh Dye did, but I don't think Josh Dye is going to be in the big leagues anytime yep. this year. But that wasn't great. Taylor Clark looked good. So yep. like his fastball kind of sneaks up on kind of whippy overarm overhand delivery uh, that I think could play. He's you know he's proved himself in the big leagues i think he was good with the the diamondbacks were there for a little bit snyder uh, was that weird 40-man addition this year you're like what is the, what call snyder is yeah. yeah and he's he's pitched well three scoreless innings so far yeah he's gonna be a guy that's gonna go to triple a and prove yeah. himself because he was really good with northwest arkansas but he was awful against or against triple yes. a he needs, a, he needs another he needs to do over for sure yes and then the other guy that kind of got that got roughed up today was a rotis viscaino yep a couple things that one that was probably his first really competitive outing in like two years because he hasn't pit he didn't pitch in 2019 or yep. I think he did pitch in 2019 and they got traded to the Mariners in 2020 and didn't pitch because he had TJ and he worked all the way back from TJ through last season with the Mets never got back to the big leagues but it's still 97 with some ridiculous sink in a, yes. a crazy plus slider whenever he's on yeah so. That type of stuff is too loud for me to think the Royals would 
wouldn't put him on the big league roster. Yeah. It was a minor league deal, but that was when the lockout was still going on. And you could only sign guys to minor league contracts. Yeah. So there's going to have to be some shuffling with the 40 man. He's, I think he's going to be on there. Like I said the stuff is too good. Yep. Yeah. I think and that's I, definitely and, like we've talked about with the the character side of things when it comes to the Royals, it's not something you often talk about, but in Kansas City it matters, yeah. uh, especially to, to JJ and Dayton. Yeah. And I have a friend that's in the uh, AAA uh, or is in the Mets organization, pitched in AAA last year with a Rodas Fiscaino in the bullpen. Said one of the best teammates he has ever had across any level of baseball, college, high school, travel, anytime in A ball. Like just genuinely like a great dude, great teammate. And when he's on, he's lights out. So Absolutely. that's the type of dude the Royals sign when they uh-huh. take flyers on some of these guys. It's the locker room high character guy that's going to go out there and he's still going to go out and produce. It's not mm-hmm. like he's just there as a, a cheerleader. Like he's actually really good. And he has this great charismatic quality in the locker room that matters. Yep. And I think uh, especially with – uh, a lot of the Latin players in that locker room, I think it could be pretty. He's like a seasoned vet. They don't have a lot of the Latin players that uh, that they can look towards that have been in the in the big leagues for a while, and he could potentially be a little bit of that presence as well. So it's yeah. good to hear that that's the case uh, for for him, and I'm I'm certainly rooting for him as well. But we also probably need to talk about Austin Cox because he looked great the other yes. day. Yes, absolutely I, spectacular. I, hope. I think he he might be a sneaky candidate to get a big league get a big league uh, opportunity later this year. I don't later think it'll be right year. away, yeah. uh, and I don't know if it'll be a rotation spot. Yeah, but there's just again he's got that just that kind of it quality of just there's something for the feel it's the feel the pitch the stuff is good enough to, yep. to play and it's gonna tick up if he goes to the bullpen. Yep. So he was getting some ugly swings. Yes. Day, so I mean, what, what they always the say, A's. like you need to have twelve or thirteen starting pitchers at any given MLB season, and you could absolutely convince me that he could be part of that group. Yes, so absolutely. Um, I, I'm I'm interested to see what what his year looks like for sure. But he has looked great in spring training in his one outing. So uh, somebody else that I I I'm gonna kind of pay attention to moving forward for sure. Yeah, and, it's, and what's really nice is you, we've seen some guys in the Royals bullpen. This will be my last thought, but like you think about the the bullpen uh, back in fourteen fifteen. Think about the the flamethrowers you had back there. It was Prime Holland out there throwing ninety six to ninety eight. Wade Davis was pumping ninety seven and ninety nine. Kelvin yeah. Herrera was throwing triple digits. When you look at the guys they have now, it's Domingo Tapia is throwing ninety seven to ninety nine. When Arodis Vizcaino is right, it's 97. Mm-hmm. Dylan Coleman's hitting triple digits. Yep. Uh, Amir Garrett's up there in the mid to upper 90s. Jake Brents, when he's right, is around 96, 97. Gabe Spires in the mid 90s. You you have everybody just throwing fuzz out of the back end of the bullpen. Yeah, that I mean it, that's just the way the baseball trends. Like you, I, I love the way Davis reunion tour was great, but watching a guy throw 87 out of the back, like in the in the bullpen, was. <laughs> Kind of tough. painful to watch. It was tough. Yeah. It was tough. It was like so, watching Jordan in a Wizards jersey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you, no, you I, forgot old Scoots Magoot, Scotty Barlow is, is yeah, going to be shutting so the was, door on him. Yeah, 95. And he's 94 to 96. Yeah. So there, there's so many. And Taylor Clark's not too bad either. I think he's 94 yeah. to 96 too. So they, they have guys that can go and get outs and blow up by guys, which has been something we just haven't seen a ton of until yeah. last year when I think Toppy was one of the first guys when I went – Oh crap! He's throwing a hundred, right? <laughs> and then you, like, yeah, what did that happen? <laughs> well, and you when you think about the possibility of like a Will Klein coming up, right, later this year and pairing that back into the bullpen with uh, with Dylan Coleman and Scott Barlow and Stamont and Stom. Uh, I don't know how I can forget Josh Stamont. He's throwing hundred and two when he's right. Yep. So I don't know. If he'll, I don't know if he, he he didn't throw many triple digits last year. He was no, like ninety six, ninety seven. Yeah. But but I also think there was some health concern in there for a little that bit was too. The, so that was everybody's suspicion for sure. The uh, it looks like there are plenty of dudes that could blow up in that bullpen. But hey, mm-hmm. guess what? Good problems coming because there's plenty of arms ready to just, just strike dudes out uh, yeah. right behind them. They might walk a lot of people too, but. It's going to be fun to kind of see these, uh, see this bullpen kind of shape up, and it's going to be an ever fluid thing. Uh, in a given moment, like I said, these dudes can blow up Jake Brins, uh, Tapia, Stamont, even Garrett got blown up a bunch last year. So, any given day, those dudes can be an absolute, uh, absolute crazy combination there in the bullpen, or they could be uh, walking the earth and they'll be gone the next day. So, we'll see how it all goes. I'm, I'm excited to. Excited to see him going. 
I'm glad we got baseball, man. Like I said, we are two weeks away from opening day, two weeks away from the Royals being at the K, playing the Cleveland Guardians, watching Bobby Wood Jr. make his big league debut. And hopefully, I, I want Zach Grinke on opening day. You couple that with Bobby Wood Jr. making his big league debut. Like you got the old guard and the new coming yep. in uh, in a Royals uniform. Big, big stuff. I'm excited. Um, Thank you all so much for watching. I said, if you're on YouTube, appreciate you tuning in and looking at our beautiful faces for an hour. Uh, be sure to slap a like on this video. Subscribe to K- <laughs> subscribe to KCSN if you haven't already. And be sure to check out KCSN 24-7 on the YouTube page now. Uh, all of our content rolling uh, at all hours of the day. Chief stuff, the Royal stuff, One Royal Way and Royals Farm Report will be on from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. on that channel every day. You got KU, K-State, Mizzou as well. Uh, something we are super excited about uh, here at K- Kansas City Sports Network. A great opportunity to see all of our content, not to really search for it. You can just put it on your laptop at work and listen to it as if you're listening to Sports Talk Radio. So it's going to be it's going to be a great addition here uh, at KCSN. And if you're audio only, be sure to subscribe to KCSN Kansas City Royals, where you'll hear this show and uh, Royals Farm Report uh, every single week. That's where you'll be able to get your podcast, turn your notifications on, make sure you know. Uh, whenever you see it go live. We appreciate you guys, and we'll talk to you next week. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.